You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Half hour. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the theater and pop music podcast. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. And we're bringing you a very special interview episode today. And on today's show, we have a very special guest. His name is Jared Janis. Welcome, Jared. Thank you very much. Happy to be I'm, here. I'm going to uh, read you all a little bit about Jared's credentials and bio here. So Jared is a highly accomplished wig hair and makeup designer whose impressive career spans the world of Broadway, off-Broadway, and television. He has a portfolio that includes some of the industry's most iconic productions has established himself as a master of his craft. Jared's most recent credits include four Tony-eligible hit Broadway shows from this Tony season, which was Sweeney Todd and Juliet, Kimberly Akimbo, and Goodnight Oscar, with additional credits that include Ohio State Murders, Top Dog Underdog, How I Learned to Drive, American Buffalo, Jag a Little Pill, Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune, Getting the Band Back Together, Indecent, and Sunset Boulevard. Wow. That's wow. a great, amazing list. <laughs> wow. Um, and so many other wonderful credentials here amongst all those Broadway shows. <laughs> So welcome, welcome, welcome to Half Hour Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I do want to say uh, this season it was uh, not four Tony eligible, but seven t- Tony eligible oh. shows, right? Because Ohio State was this season, mm-hmm. a Top Dog Underdog, and um, I also helped on Cost of Living. Oh, okay. I didn't have that. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, to- so many more. I'm glad I- there's a ton there, and I'm I thank you for making that correction. No, that's okay. <laughs> but this was just happened to be like. Uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches this season. I, I don't. Oh my you know, gosh! It was, a, it, was a, yeah. it was a wonderful season. So yeah, congratulations <laughs> to you for true, truly, you. truly. Mm-hmm. Yay! So uh, we would love to dive into all of those lovely shows that we talked about, but uh, before we do that, can you let our <laughs> listeners know a little bit more about your past wig, hair, makeup experience, and how you got into the business, and what led you to these recent works? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I came to this in a very different way from most people. Um, I didn't actually go to school for this. Um, I actually went to school for mathematics, and I was a mathematician for 11 years before okay. I did this. Uh, so it's a very strange background. Um, <laughs> and uh, just to put it plainly, uh, when I was finishing uh, at school, I had a month before graduation. I had nothing to do. And a very good friend of mine, I was complaining about that last month with nothing to do. So my, a very good friend of mine said, well, why don't you come help out at the student-run theater that she was the stage manager for? And I said, all right. So I showed up the next day, and she said, we need help in the hair and makeup department. I was like, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> well, I walked in, and uh, the guy who was designing the hair and makeup for that show today 
is a physicist. So it's like the setup of a bad joke. A mathematician <laughs> and a physicist walk into a hair room, you know? Um, and that's um, that's really how it started. And then we, we did a show. This is back in 94. We did a show for three weeks, you know, three weekends because it's, you know, school. And uh, at the end of that third week, I called my mother one week before graduation. And I said, oh, my God, I've made a terrible mistake. I know mm. what I want to do now. Um, and yeah. I had just discovered it. I didn't even know this was a career. I didn't know anything. You know, up to that point, I should say, up to that point, I had literally seen three shows my entire life. Mm. I saw the national tour of Annie in 78. I saw the tour of Les Mis in 91 and the tour of Miss Saigon in 92. And that's what I thought theater was. I didn't know anything else. Right. All I knew were humongous Tony Award winning shows. And mm. only three of them for that matter. Yeah. So, uh, so then I did that. Um, I did that show, and I knew I'd made a mistake. I knew like this is what I wanted to do, but now I had to learn everything. But I had just finished twenty years of schooling, wow. so I was not about to go back to school to learn all this. So I wound up getting a, a, a series of apprenticeships um, all over the place um, in hair and wigs, also in men's hair replacement, like toupees, basically. Um, uh, I did a lot of apprenticeships, and. Uh, as a mathematician, I was, I was living in Chicago at the time and I was moved. My company promoted me and moved me to New York. Wow. And so that's how I got here to New York. But you know, what New York doesn't have is community theater. So I didn't know anybody and I couldn't just volunteer somewhere. We only have professional theater here. Mm -hmm. So it took me years before I was actually able to work my way into like my first off, 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 off Broadway show, which was, you know, paid a hundred dollars or whatever it paid, but still, because there's no such thing as community theater, they have to pay you something. So, um, so they paid and uh, it was great. And then I just slowly started getting more and more gigs. And uh, in 2005, I just thought, you know, I think it's time for me to make a career change. And um, I applied for a position at the Santa Fe Opera and, uh, and I got the job. And the guy who was the wig master there was also the wig master of the Metropolitan Opera and was the wig designer of Wicked. Wow. Mm, uh, wow. His name was Tom Watson. And he gave mm -hmm. me my really first big start. And then at Santa Fe, when we were there, at the end of that, he, he pulled me outside and asked, what are you going to do when you go back to New York? And I said, well, I'm going to go back to my math job because I was on a leave of absence. And he said, I want you to run my studio. And I said, I'll see you there. Oh, uh, how I'll, amazing. I'll and he even said, let's talk about the salary. He said, no, no, don't care. I'll see you there. <laughs> we'll discuss that when I get there. Because this was the moment. Like, I was like yeah. you either take that leap or you don't. And it's that simple. The, 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 the pay didn't matter. None of that mattered. It was all about, this is what I needed to do. It's and so that's how it started. Point. Yeah, yeah exactly. The I turning point in your career. That's so, awesome. So tell me a little I'm so curious to know a little bit more about your process when you when you are on a show and you're given the script and you're working with the director and you are looking at the character like what factors do you consider such as like character's personality, time period, setting, like what is your process when you're first starting a show to make sure that this is done, you know, correctly? Well, okay, so the first thing I do is obviously is read the script, right? I don't actually want to talk to uh, the costume designer um, about the show yet. I'd love to just read the script myself and just start forming a picture in my head. Even if that picture is completely wrong, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to read that. I want to take a look at each character's social background, economic status. I want to talk about their um, uh, what time of day is it? Uh, how many? How how long, um, how much time is spanned throughout the entire show? You know, is it all in three hours or is it a uh, two years, what is it, you know, because if it's all within like, say three hours, then we know, oh, we're talking about one wig a person. We're talking, if it's two years, well, who keeps the same hairstyle for two full years? Uh, well, okay. Women, I should say. I mean, <laughs> guys, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm bald as you said. Yeah, so I, I've had this for 20 years. Uh, but you know what I mean? So, you know, there's a lot of things I'm looking for. And then I'm also looking for things like, 
Um, are they tired? Are they sick? Are they, you know, what are they? Uh, so each of those things plays a factor. And but I'll tell you one thing I won't do is that I will if this if the if this is a show that's been done before, this is a revival or anything, I will not look up anything having to mm. do with the previous version because I just don't like being influenced by something else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somebody else's design, and I really don't like to be influenced that way. Um, not that that's not that it's wrong to be influenced, but I just feel like I can't really design this show fully unless I can really think about it myself without any other outside influence. So do you usually have the creative control when you get the script first to kind of come up with your own um, vision and then you present that to the whole creative team or how involved is, let's say the director or a playwright um, in this process as well? Sure. The, you know, I'm glad you actually asked that question because, especially when you included playwright, because that's kind of important too. We, we rarely ever talk about the playwright, which is mm-hmm. this really interesting that you said that. Um, so I am technically part of the costume design team mm-hmm. right now, although I have my own budget. I have my own, I'm, a, I'm a designer in my own right as well, but the costume designer is responsible for the look from head to toe of every single character on that stage, right? Or every actor on that stage. And they've already had discussions with the director about what they kind of want. So the two of them have already formed a plan. And then when, when I've made my, like, after I've read the script and I've sort of started thinking through what, I, what I'm thinking, um, I then talk to the costume designer and we start making a plan. You know, they show me the sketches that they've come up with. And usually their sketches include somebody like with hair, but the hair in the sketches is usually not prescriptive. It's just a placeholder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted, if so, let's say we're doing, you know, 1970s, then I assure you they've drawn 1970s hair. You know what I mean? But if they're doing modern day hair, there's a lot of things you could be drawing, you know? Um, so oftentimes it's not prescriptive. It's just a placeholder. And then, so it's my job to come in there with them, talk about all that stuff, figure out where we want to go, looking at period, looking at all the other factors I've already talked to you about. Mm-hmm. And then we present that to the director as well. But now it's interesting you bring up playwright. And I say that because... Um, I've done a few shows where the playwrights are actually writing semi-autobiographical plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes you want to honor the characters in their own real life, right? So I did a show one time that Billy Porter wrote called okay. While I Yet Live. Mm. And the characters are based on real people. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, one of the characters was uh, Lily- Lilius White played one of his aunts. And she, um, you know, there was there was – Lily's fight didn't look anything like his aunt, but I wanted to somehow honor like what his, what she actually looked like. So, you know, he showed me some pictures and we came up with something, which was really great that he was there and had that, you know, image in his mind for me. And, and I certainly want to make sure that he's happy. Right. So, um, anyway, so that's what, no, that, and, and I, I kind of want to piggyback off a little bit of what you were saying about shows that have come before, like when you're doing revivals. So you've like, I'm going to just use like, you just did Sweeney Todd, right? So Mrs. Lovett. So obviously iconically played by Angela Lansbury and even Patti Lapone. Two very different productions with two very different hairstyles. So when you're doing that, you know, for Mrs. Lovett, like you're telling – I would love to, to hear a little bit more about you didn't look at anything prior. You designed your own wigs based on what you're seeing and reading ahead. Tell me a little bit more about that because I love hearing when revivals are not always just a mimic or an interpretation of an older production. Right. 
Right. You so know. Sweeney Todd is a little bit more difficult because, you know, I've seen, mm-hmm. I saw the Patty the Pump production and of course, who hasn't seen the video with Angela Lansbury, right? right. right. So, I mean, I mean, so this one's a little different, but I didn't go back and look at it again. I haven't seen those productions in years, right. but I, so I didn't go back and look at them again before right. I designed those. And that's the important thing. Now, I remember, of course, Angela Lansbury's wig having those two little, those two space buns, we'll call them, but they were, I remember them being flawless. I remember them not being messy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And when I was when so when I sat down with Annalie Ashford this time, and I've worked with her before, so we have a very good rapport. You know, one of the things that she made it very clear was that while she wanted to do her own, her very own Mrs. Lovett, she also wanted to somehow honor um, two iconic Mrs. Lovetts, Angela Lansbury and Helena Bottom Carter. Oh yeah. You know, she wanted to like honor both of them. And I said, well, you know, I said, I think, I think there's a way we can do this. And, but the best part of this was that Annalise said, I think the texture is the most important. She said, and this is her exact, these are her exact words. I think the texture needs to be like Bernadette Peters brushed her hair out. <laughs> and I was like, I understand. I've got it. I know exactly. At the moment she said that the design was done. We figured, we figured it out right away. Yeah, both, both, both she she gets two wigs on act one and an act two, uh-huh. which was I, I don't think Angela I think Angela only had one for the whole show and Patty as well. But we um, so I I knew exactly what each wig was going to be the moment he said that. I was like I I I've got it. I figured it out, you know. And I was like, so we can still honor um, Angela Lansbury a little bit by giving us okay. So you know the idea of two space ones made sense because. She this was utilitarian. She's just trying to get her hair out of the damn way, right? Mm-hmm. She's she's trying to make her pies, you know, as as poorly as she does. Yeah. But the hair's going to get in the way, right? So I was like, well, okay, who? How would she put it up if she had Bernadette Peters' hair? Um, and then it wound up looking like the messy, the sort of like that controlled chaos that Helena Bottom Carter had. Yeah. And then, yes. and then Act Two, I was like, well, Act Two just has to be like she thinks she looks the best. She is she feels like she's done herself up better than anybody else could. So she just has to look like, what could she possibly do with her hair? Knowing full well that she's not exactly a stylist. She doesn't really think about her looks the same way. So Mm -hmm. we came up with something really easy, but yet stylish for her, not stylish for anybody else, but stylish for her. Mm -hmm. So how in some shows, I'm sure you have to deal with things like quick changes and, or Mm -hmm. makeup changes. How hard is that sometimes for you during like the creative process to come up with that where it's like, you know, they have 60 seconds and you have to have a completely different wig on or different makeup. Well, first of all, you're funny. 60 seconds isn't a quick change at all. I would say, I mean, I would, that, that's a, that's, that's a hell of a lot of time. Um, like the fastest quick change I've ever had to put up with was 10 seconds. And that wow. was head to toe, full costume and hair. Wow. Um, and, and the actress had to re-enter and she starts the next scene with the line. So she had 10 seconds. That was it. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, um, you know, we do take that into consideration, but the nice thing is that, um, because of the way that wigs are attached to the head, they're all easily changeable pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. really what you're doing in that sense is relying on an amazing team of people backstage. Right. Right. So it doesn't impact me nearly as much, but no, you did mention makeup. Now that's trickier because you can't, there's no such thing as a truly quick change in makeup except for removal of lipstick or addition of lipstick. Right. You get the one thing we're never going to do is really change eyes because Removing eye makeup is so sloppy, uh, and it just takes minutes to redo it. So we never do quick changes with eyes or anything like that. It's going to be like, let's say someone needs to be tarted up. Fine. Add a ton of cheek and a red lip and get out there. You know, like you can <laughs> yeah. do that in a few seconds, but you, that's about all you can do with makeup, um, yeah. really quickly. Um, at least, at least if you don't have a makeup supervisor on the show, if you just, if you're relying on the actors to do that stuff. 
Um, and and it's so interesting to me because I so we see a lot of shows with a lot of people, not theater people, people who are just enjoying the show and they don't really know too much about what's going on behind stage. And I'll say sometimes at an intermission, I'll say, oh my gosh, and those wigs are so great. And I, I can't tell you the amount, and I hope you take this as a compliment. I can't t- tell you the amount of times people will say, they're wearing wigs? And they can't believe that they're, and I, and I said, yeah, like a lot of times they are. And the question I have is like, I'll use Kimberly Akimbo, for example, a modern day present day show. I, Victoria Clark and Bonnie, congratulations to them because they're just doing amazing things. And I see Mm -hmm. Victoria, I'm like, wow. And I'm like, oh, and then I see her on the Tony Awards and I was like, wait. Her hair is not – I almost thought that that was her hair in the show. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, we're talking about a modern show. There's wigs in that too. So my question to you is how do you decide when you're using natural hair, when you're using wigs? Is that a budget issue? Is it, oh, it's modern day so we're not going to use as many wigs? Like what is the process when it comes to wigs versus no wigs? Yeah, there, you know, there are so many ways, so many things to think about when it comes to this. Yeah. I mean, first of all, so like, so let, let's just talk about modern, because right, we can all agree that if it's period, we probably have to use wigs, right? Right. right. All right. So modern. So Kimberly Kimbo was set in 1999-ish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So still very modern, but you know, um, in that show, because we knew that we wanted people to look kind of more authentically late 90s, we knew we probably wanted to do wigs. But there are a few factors that come into this. One, does somebody have to wear have more than one look in a show? If they have, to have more than one look, it's wigs. And the rule of thumb basically is once in a wig, always in a wig. So it's, mm-hmm. in other words, don't use their hair for part one and a wig for part two unless there's so much time in the middle to prep their own hair to get it out of the way, right? Okay. So, so, so basically, it, oftentimes I've been asked to recreate their, the actor's own hair as a wig so that they can look like themselves and then look like something else later. So that's pretty common. So the second thing is, um, does the actor want to use their own hair? You know, okay. actors, actors can have a lot of say when it comes to, to, their, um, to their hair because not wearing wigs means you have to style your hair every day. That's potentially damaging. You know, you're probably mm-hmm. not used to using heat on your hair daily. I mean, I hope, I hope you're not used to that at least. Right, right. Because um, that is very damaging, you know. And uh, so if, if we have to use our own hair, then we have to use a lot of products to prevent the damage and sometimes even give them treatments so to counteract the damage, you know what I mean? So I, I, personally, I prefer wigs all the time because I don't want the damage. Plus, with the wigs, I can get a little bit better continuity. Because, you know, let's say, for example, an actor is running late to a show. Well, if you're running late to your half-hour call, then you're running, you're sweating. Now I'm not going to get the same result out of your sweaty hair. And you're going right. to continue sweating while you're trying to get ready, right? So right. I prefer to use a wig. I don't have to worry about that as far as continuity goes. Um, so right. yeah, the actors have a lot of say, time period, all that stuff. Um, you know, and ultimately, um, I mean, I think ultimately it just comes down to what's going to be the, the easiest thing for the production to make the production go best. Mm-hmm. Give how us the oft- best look quickly. How often are men wigged on the stage? Well, um, not nearly as often as, as um, the like, female presenting actors. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we have occasionally – so in a modern-day show, it's, it's a lot less common. But, you know, like, for example, I did a show right before the pandemic called 72 Miles to Go at uh, Roundabout at the Laura Pels. Mm-hmm. And um, we had an actor who has to get a, 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 a marine cut to his hair during the show. I mean, not um, on stage, but he could, like goes off to Marines, comes back, and he's got a shaved head. So we had to duplicate his hair really well. Mm-hmm. Um for stuff like this. So it's only when you need specific things like that in modern day shows that you really need that, you know, or like somebody just has, you know, the completely wrong color hair and they're not willing to color it again or whatever, you know, so very, it's, it's those moments when you need those wigs. 
Uh, and by the way, when you said your friends didn't know that they were show wearing wigs, what's really fun is that in that show, 72 Miles to Go, I actually sent – I had the, the actor and his understudy both had their wigs on. I sent that photo to my, one of my friends who's probably the, one of the top two wig makers I've ever met in my life. And he said, why are you sending me pictures of these two actors? I said, do you like the wigs? And he said, wait, they're wearing wigs? And I said, yes. And it was the best compliment I've ever gotten. I, I, one of the truly best wig makers. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you take that as a compliment because I am always so blown away by just – and to me, like, I, I worked in a lot of theaters. So I'm always like – this is this might be silly, but I'm looking for the, the wig line. Like I'm looking for – and when you see that it could totally be their scalp, I'm like blown away by that makeup blend. I mean, there's so many millions of things you all do so wonderfully, but to me, I'm always like that blend of the wig to the skin and how it looks just, especially if I'm sitting in the front few rows, Mm. I'm like blown away by that skill set alone of just making it look so real. It's amazing. Well, let me, let me, you you mentioned Kimberly Akimbo earlier. Yeah. Vicki Clark. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll tell you the secret behind her wig, her first wig is that, or both of her wigs, rather, they're film fronts. So it's film lace in front. So it's the lace that disappears in HD. Okay. So, so it, it also, but, so one, that wig is way more expensive because it's so much more difficult to build on that lace. Number two, the life of the wig is much shorter. Like, mm. you, you probably get maybe five months out of that wig. Whereas with theat- regular theatrical lace, we can get a, a year or more out of it. Right. So, but we thought, we all thought it was very important for Vicky to have film lace because we needed it to look like it really was her hair. And then when we – oh, I don't want to give away the secret for the second wig because if you haven't seen the show, never mind. But it's we very did, important. Okay. Suffice it to say – no, I mean the, the listeners. If you right, haven't seen the right, show, right. it's very important that she has film lace that you really believe this is her own hair. Let me leave right. it at that. I'll, I understand exactly what you're saying. We're going to ask you Because ask you that after. moment in Act 2 when everyone goes – I know. When the whole audience goes, mm, like, I that's, know. That, oh, yeah. To me, I feel so great when the audience does that. That's oh, amazing. I had a reaction like that and I said yeah. to myself – Oh, and I almost started like tearing up a little bit because I found such – uh, emotion with that moment of yeah. uh, that whole character's journey is so emotional, but yes, that is a moment. So I'm glad. Oh my gosh. Yes. For you know, sure. On my social media, I have not been able to post about that. I want to post that so badly, but I'm like, Nope, I can't, I have to do this. Once Kimberly and Kimbo is finally done with it's this production, the tour, and it's all done, then yeah, I'm going to post that. But until then I can't. And I'm like, damn it. It's so good. <laughs> that, that's when you get to give the spoilers for that. Yes. Right. I get to give the secret away. Right. I, I'm curious though, with, with people, that are using their regular hair are they getting cut at the theater or do they go to a salon and they have to say oh this is how my hair needs to be cut for the show i'm in and how often are they going all right so can i assume we're talking about broadway yeah because you know off broadway and regional are very different stories yeah, uh, let's yeah, talk about yeah. broadway okay? right. just just so, broadway <laughs> okay good so on broadway um so for example the guys who are not wearing wigs right so usually during during tech I do all of the first haircuts for the men. Okay. Like I do them myself. I set the look and then I take all the photos. And then usually the, 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 the crew there, there's this usually like a supervisor and an assistant, whatever. Um, one of them will maintain those cuts. Okay. Now, if I have, however, if an actor wants to use their own barber because they just have a connection, that's fine with us as well. And we can reimburse for that, but we have to send them with photos. Like you strictly must adhere to this haircut right here. You cannot change this. And there's even a rule on the call board that you're not allowed to change anything to do with your props, mm. costumes, and makeup slash hair. So they cannot change that style. Um, and now, for some women, if we have to have their hair cut and colored, um, or even guys have to have color, we don't usually do that at the theater. 
Um, I prefer to send them to a salon, to a special, a color specialist. It costs a little bit more, but it's worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. Plus, the salon is set up for proper color. Theaters aren't set up right. for the proper ventilation for that, and right, right. just better to set them out. And how often are you having to maintain the hair? Do you think? Oh, I mean, the haircuts are usually every two to three weeks for yeah. short hair, and for longer hair, anywhere from one to two months, depending on what they need. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. Color, so, color, on the other hand, probably once a month. Yeah, once a month. No roots showing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, we would love to know what's your life like outside of wig, hair, and makeup design. Do you work in other spaces outside of Broadway? And what are some of the future projects you're working on? Sure. Um, uh, you know, I do also uh, work um, off Broadway, regional opera, mm-hmm. uh, some TV. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of being on set, so I don't. I haven't tried pursuing too much more with TV film. Usually for TV film, what we do is we act as the wig maker. Mm-hmm. Um, so we build the wigs and send them off to set. We don't have to ever go, you know, that's the best part. Um, I, I prefer theater just because it, you know, they always talk about the theater community. Well, it really actually is a community people do, you know, you, you do make your friends within the theater community, film, TV. It's more like a Monday to Friday kind of job. So it's like every other career. It doesn't quite have the same sort of community. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, as far as future shows go, like I have, um, coming up this year, you know, I have a prayer for the French Republic is going oh, to Broadway. Yeah. Congrats on so that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I just signed on for, uh, signed a contract for this new national tour of Peter Pan that's going out directed by Lonnie Price. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Which is yeah. very exciting. And, uh, sure. and, uh, I get to work with, uh, Serafina Bush, who's the costume designer. It's the first time I get to work with her. She, she did for colored girls and got totally mm-hmm. nominated for that. Mm-hmm. She's a lot of fun. I'm, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, they announced the national tours of uh, Kimberly Akimbo and Juliet and Sweeney Todd. So those are off in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few other shows that are coming that I don't have a signed contract for right now. So I'm not allowed to talk about yeah, them that's yet. Okay. But that's okay. um, there's, there's, a, there's a Broadway show coming up before uh, Prayer for the French Republic that I can't talk about yet. But uh, that's, that's exciting, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. We'll see Fun when it's stuff. announced. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, so we have one final question before we wrap up. We ask all our guests this on our podcast. We would love to know if you have any fun behind the scenes moment or memory that's something silly or funny or just like a, like a behind the scenes story that you might have from one of your shows about anybody or anything you've done that you'd want to tell our audience. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's, <laughs> you, you put people on the spot like this, don't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, there are so many moments that I'm not sure we can actually talk about. Yeah, um, I'm sure. <laughs> you know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you this. You know, the funniest moment I think that ever happened to me was that I worked with an actor who has a, perhaps a reputation okay. for being maybe not the nicest person uh, backstage. Just uh-huh. putting that out there. Um, uh-huh. No names. No names here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she... And she um, you know, I've always gotten along really well with her somehow. And I'm like, well, I, I mean, I, I've seen the behavior, but I've never, it's never been aimed at me. You know, I was, I'm always waiting for that other shoe to drop. Right. And then one day I went in for a fitting and she was playing some hard rock music. Mm. Uh, and when I went into the music, she looked at me. Now I, for people at home who can't see me, I'm covered in tattoos. Okay. Um, although if, if you saw me in the street, you might be like, Ooh, kind of like, you know, the, tougher looking tattooed guy. But if you looked at my tattoos, you'd realize that they're all part of my resume. Uh, they're oh. all show logos. 
Like oh, I have, like, I've got Porgy and Bess on my leg, for God's sake. You know, like, <laughs> Sunset Boulevard's on my leg. I've got Into the Woods on my right arm. You know, like, wow. so it's, it's, it's so it, it, if you're not paying attention, you might think something differently. Anyway, so when I walked into this actor's room and uh, she said, she said, it's so nice to see you. Um, you know, I was going to turn the music off, but something tells me that you're probably okay with this. And then she looked me up and down. And just gave me this look, and I was like, oh my god, that's why she's been so nice to me all this time. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, oh no. <laughs> and oh it never dawned god. on me, and it, yeah. that was really one of the funniest moments of my career. Uh, I love it, I love it. But again, I, I refuse to say who it was, but that was that's really okay. funny. That's okay, that's okay, that's awesome. We love hearing things like that. Although, you know, things, you although know, if fun. you want off record, I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're oh going to be asking. God. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, this is great. So um, that's all we have for today's episode of Half Hour. So thank you all for listening. Yeah. And we really hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Jared. Jared, if people would like to learn more about um, you and, and your work, where can listeners find you on the social media interwebs? Great. P- people can find me at two, two places. Uh, one is my, my website, uh, www.backstageartistry.com. That's where all my, um, my resume and all that stuff is there. And then uh, on Instagram, uh, I'm at J-J-J-A-N-A-S, so J-J-Janus, underscore. Awesome. You can find awesome. me uh, there, and that's uh, I use that strictly for work. I, I show all of my work there, including for young aspiring designers. I show them how I've done things step by step. I love it. That's awesome. That's Very awesome. Cool. And we'll Good. include that in our description for everyone to go follow you and check out everything that you're doing. So to all of our listeners, if you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Um, You can connect with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. Also, if you'd like to check out our full reviews of some of the shows that Jared has done the hair, wigs, and makeup for, check out Sweeney Todd and Juliet, Kimberly Kimbo, Goodnight Oscar, Top Dog Underdog, or any other shows that we discussed today. Um, You can go back and listen to our past episodes. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jared. We can't wait to see what's in store for you and all your future projects. And thanks again. And thank yes. you so much. This was so much fun. Thank Yay. you. Yes. So signing off for now, I'm Richie. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.